0: The great good news of the resurrection this year comes from the Gospel of John, the beginning of the 20th chapter. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. Thanks be to God.
1: Christ is risen. risen It is good to affirm that in the midst of all that we go through in our lives, it is good to affirm that we worship a God of the living who is always bringing new life. I want to show an image and see how many of you remember this. Anybody know what those are? Flash cubes, right. These flash cubes um, were used in the 1960s and 70s and they would end up on a camera that looked something like that. And you'd take, you had four flashes per cube. It would would blitz and then turn and then turn again and then turn again and then you'd throw it out. Someday archaeologists are going to find millions of these things in our landfill and wonder what we were doing. And then we would send the film out and it would take maybe a week before we'd get it back. And now all of those pictures are probably in a shoebox in our attics. Now we take pictures on our phones and they're instantly developed and instantly shared with the world. I'm a... I'm really interested in how pictures tell stories and how stories have been told for generations. That camera, that Kodak Instamatic, was one of the ways that a generation told stories. I'm interested in the next generation and how they're going to tell stories, how they're already telling stories. And I'm really interested to see how the generation who never saw these. Photo cubes, these flash bulb cubes, I'm really interested in how that generation who has no relationship with these is going to be faithful. I have great hopes for them because they are more interested in orthopraxy than orthodoxy. Let me just unpack that a little bit. The next generation is not as interested in what people believe They're more interested in how are they living those beliefs out in the world. The next generation, millennials or whatever we want to refer to them as, uh, they have little patience for Christianity that is simply about the rules. They really want to see compassion expressed. They want to see a difference made in the world. They want to see the world made a better place. And I have great hopes for them. I hope that generation expresses that spirituality in the church. But if the church is not open to that for whatever reason, they'll express it anyway outside in the world. And that's where God needs us expressing values of compassion and love out there in the world. I think the next generation is looking for a faith that changes people's lives and changes people's behavior and has them transformed into more loving people. I have great hope for the next generation. When Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, she had no camera. There was no press parked outside of where the tomb was. The only way that the story of the empty tomb gets to us is by word of mouth. Mary comes to the tomb in darkness the sun has not come up yet she cannot see clearly and yet she makes it to the place of death and sees the tomb is empty it so profoundly changes her that she runs does not walk she runs back to tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. This is the kind of faith that will resonate with the next generation, the kind of faith that sees something, knows it's of God, and runs to tell someone else about it because it is so real, it has changed their lives and their trajectory. Mary goes and she tells Peter and John. Now this scripture from the Gospel of John was written about 70 or so years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And the Gospel writer of John had plenty of time to think about the significance and the imagery and the metaphor and the meaning of all of this and knew what the church of his time needed. The church of his time was wrestling with orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Right believing or right action. They were arguing with one another over the law and is it important to maintain the law or do we follow Jesus' lead, who often broke the law in the name of love? I always thought that Peter and John, who had this running race, I thought that John always won every Easter Sunday morning because he was younger. I am learning that this passage that Tom read to us today is always pointing to a deeper wisdom, a deeper truth. In the early church, Peter represented the law. He represented the first pope. John is referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you see the metaphors? Law, love. Which one gets to the tomb first? Love. Love always gets resurrection before the law does. Ultimately, Peter gets there. But when we are in the flow of love, we understand resurrection. When we are in the flow of love, we understand more of how God's mystery is working in our lives. And God desires every human being and every creature to be in the flow of love. When we are in the flow of love, like John, we get to see resurrection sooner. And when we are in the flow of love, we begin to trust the rhythm of death and resurrection, which is what we churchy folks refer to as the Paschal mystery, death and resurrection, death and resurrection, I'm learning as is science and great scientists, that the the creation is roughly 14.5 billion years old and God has been speaking the language of death and resurrection, death and resurrection from the very beginning. Galaxies, planets, stars, death and resurrection, death and resurrection. Jesus was just pointing to what the language of God has been for 14.5 billion years. Jesus said, lest a seed, lest a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains but a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Do you see the pattern of death and resurrection? It's all around us. And then Jesus himself showed us what death and resurrection looked like. And we who are trying to follow Jesus are invited to trust in this grand rhythm of death and resurrection, this grand language of death and resurrection, this mystery of death and resurrection. When we can begin trusting that, we are much less afraid and more quickly living in and out of the flow of God's love. I find it helpful for us to see glimpses of resurrection and to point to resurrection And to share with one another, hey, this is how I see new life happening. Because God is always bringing new life out of death, always. I want to share just a few glimpses that made me think, ah, there's resurrection there. Last Sunday, Palm Sunday, as we had a beautiful service here and we passed that very large cross around the outside of the sanctuary and we all put our hands on that and laid our burdens on the cross and let go of the stuff that drags us down in life and trusting it to God. We were on holy ground. It was a tender moment. It was a worshipful moment. It was a peaceful moment for Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday. But that same day, last week, Christians in Egypt, one of the ancient traditions of Christianity, the Coptic church was bombed. Two churches were bombed by terrorists. Many people died, many people are still in the hospital. This is a picture of one of the Coptic churches that has been bombed out. This is a picture of Coptic Christians praying afterwards. Here is a glimpse of resurrection in the midst of being attacked, in the midst of injustice, in the midst of unspeakable violence and loss, Christians in Egypt responded with prayer, with candles, with coming together. I invite you sometime this week to to do a search on YouTube and look for the sermon by Father George on the Monday after the bombings he was preaching and he said, I have three words. This sermon is for those who want to kill us. I am preaching for those who want to kill us. And he said three things. We thank you. We love you. And we are praying for you because this is what our Savior Jesus taught us. And the sermon which is translated in subtitles, is a profound expression of a Christian faith that is a glimpse of resurrection. He said, Christians have no enemies. Jesus has taught us to pray for our enemies, to love those who persecute us, and therefore we really have no enemies. To those who want to kill us, we love you. We thank you. We are praying for you. We thank you because you have crystallized a, and galvanized a Christian faith. Father George said in this sermon, most Mondays after Palm Sunday, there's two or three or four or, a, or five faithful women who are sitting in the front pew. But that day, the sanctuary was packed. A glimpse of resurrection. Resurrection. God is always bringing new hope, new life, new love, new resolve, new compassion, even in the midst of great evil, injustice. Evil never has the last word. This is the Easter message. God has the last word and it is always a word of love. That is the hallmark of the Christian faith. I close with this resurrection image. Some of you may have seen this, it's gone viral. There was um, some protesting and counter protesting in Birmingham, England, a few weeks ago. There was a a white racist group that was gathering to speak ill uh, of all people of color and all immigrants. And they tried to bully, Uh, a woman who was from the Islamic faith and they surrounded her and they started pushing her and yelling at her and spitting on her. And another young woman, this woman here, came and stood with the first woman. She was a bystander who became an upstander. She stood up to these bullies And in this moment, in this picture, let's go to the next picture, which actually is a little bit of a a close-up. You can see her smiling at this white, racist, bigoted man who you can tell in his body language wants to do harm and violence. And she stands there smiling at him. Easter is God's cosmic smile at evil, at injustice, at meanness, at sadness, at death, at loss, that cosmic smile that says, the last word will be one of love, the last word will be one of peace, the last word will be one of justice, and reconciliation, healing, and wholeness. This is the Christian faith that we come to nurture this morning. I close with one scripture that I, I've never preached on, but I have a profound sense that someone here needs to hear this scripture. It's from Romans the 8. Chapter, verse 11. It says that the Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead is within you and will raise you up. Someone here is hurting and feeling like they're still either in the tomb or don't know what to do Next, because of a loss, because of a grief, because of a sadness, because of an injustice. And perhaps you came to church today to hear that the Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead is in you as well and can help you to rise, can help you to stand up, to help you become who God is, sees you as a beloved son and a beloved daughter who cannot be hurt, who cannot be wounded in your truest selves because the Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead is in you and in me and in us. Don't be afraid. Christ is risen. Amen.